0: Good evening. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship coming to you with our Saturday night message. This is Minister Eric coming to you once again. And we thank you for listening to us. Uh, we pray that we've been a blessing to you. Um, if you like these messages, um, please share it with your family and friends. I saw that some of you, some of you do share these messages that you like. And uh, I thank God that you we're blessing you that, that you want to share it these messages, but we're just going to jump in tonight. Um, we're talking about, I started a new series last week. We're talking about living for God in a godless society, living for God in a godless society. And last week we started, and that was part A. You know, I had so much to say. Even tonight, I got so much to say, but this is part B of part one. And we was talking about the subtitle I used was choosing the kingdom, okay, choosing the kingdom. And we dealt with last week about being holy, okay? Being holy, living a holy life. And we dealt with the um, the definition of holiness, okay? And holiness, it means to be different. It means to be distinct, okay? And Jesus said, we read First um, Peter, one and 15, 16, it says. Be, he says, "Wasting." I'm just gonna relive it. it says, "Be ye holy for I am holy," and so we ought to be holy as God is holy. And so when we start talking about holiness, and most of us when we start talking about holy, we, we jump straight to behavior. Well, you know, we start checking off the box. And I want to say when we start, as I'm speaking this message, this is not a condemnation message, or is it a you know to-do lists even though we're going to deal with some things that the bible specifically says that shouldn't be named among christians but when i started this message last week i dealt with first corinthians chapter one verses 30 and 31 and i'm reading from the new living translation and it says that god has united us with christ jesus for our benefit he made him to be wisdom itself christ made us right with god he made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin it says therefore as the scripture says if you want to boast boast only about the lord so what paul was saying here is that we were made these things first yeah that's part of your day the day you got born again you became righteous you became holy you, he gave you, you became wise. They gave you wisdom because in the kingdom, very, that word for holiness means he's sanctification. Okay. That's what sanctification means. It means holiness. And so we were made holy. So, and the last part of that verse says, therefore, if you want to boast, boast on the Lord. So don't boast about how well you're living. Okay. I don't do this. I don't do that. He says, if you're going to boast, let's boast about how God made us these things before we ever did any action. And so that's the blessing in this is that, you know what? I was made righteous. The day I got born again, I was made holy. So we were made holy. So we can't take credit for, even though you may be doing holy things, you can't take credit for him because guess what? It's Christ that gave us the ability to live holy, okay? So it's in him. It's because of him that we have can be identified with being holy. Why? Because your spirit was made holy. And when, we, when you got saved, okay, um, your spirit was saved first. Okay, even when you guys say we still have some bad behavior, we still have some bad thoughts and, still, and we still do have that, but we are holy because of Jesus, okay? He made us holy. And then when you embrace that identity, when you begin to believe what the Bible says about you, then you begin to walk in those things. now we see the fruit of holiness in your life through your behavior, through your conversation, Okay. Through your actions and things of that nature. So that's what we dealt with. And we dealt with the focus of these, this series is coming from the book of Daniel. And just to give you a brief um, thing about Daniel, Daniel, remember, uh, Israel had been cap had been captive, excuse me, been a captive by the Babylonian uh, army or the Babylonian Nation, they have been overtaken by Babylonian, and Nebuchadnezzar said he wanted the best, smartest young men from the Israelites. Okay, and so and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the, uh, these four young men. They were teenagers, and they picked them, and 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 they were supposed to be indoctrinated. Okay, In the Babylonian culture, their custom, teach them things, the language and everything. And so Daniel, but Daniel did not want, he didn't want to be defiled by the king's food because the king said, well, take these young men for about three years, feed them the the best food I got, best drink and feed them so they become fat and strong and teach them all the custom and trades of Babylonian but Daniel said, you know what? And he says, you know what? He told um, the guy that was supposed to be in charge with Aspenaz, he told him, he says, look, let, let us just eat vegetables, okay? I don't want to contaminate myself with the Babylonian food because Israel had a dietary law, which is certain thing they're supposed to eat. And Daniel says he had enough faith, enough God to believe that, hey, if Aspenaz let them just eat vegetables versus the best food from the Babylonian table, that they will be just as healthy as the other young men that were doing it. And so, and we see that God blessed them. And so doing that, and so, but Daniel made a choice and the subtitle says choose the king. Daniel chose the kingdom over the culture of the Babylonian. And this was that saying, this is saying with us, we have to be saying, you have to choose the kingdom over the culture, over a godless society. And we we know we live in a godless society when we look around all the things that's going on in our land and all the things that we see that come against the Bible, things that the Bible have condemned. We see a lot of things going on society that are not what the word of God says. And the truth is the Bible is it's gonna get worse. And so here's the thing: how do we believe how do we as believers live in this godless society, live for God? How do we do that? And Daniel gives an example. We first have to choose again. It starts with a decision, as I said last week. It starts with a decision. And we dealt with two scriptures As we I'm just going quickly we dealt with uh Matthews 5, 13 and 16. Okay where it's time of we are salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. We have a responsibility. Okay. We have a responsibility. Okay. A responsibility as believers to be salt and light. Salt preserves, you know, light shines in the darkness. We have a responsibility because it says we are to shine light. We're not to be here. And so you and I have to be like the way we have to be salt because without that, the Bible says without salt, if the salt is no good, it is trampling on the feet of men. You're worthless. You have no influence. You have no power. You know, people are not going to believe you. People are not going to see Christ through you if you choose to buy into their culture, buy into their ideas. And thought process, and you're not gonna It says, hey, because what it really dealt with in that scripture is that if we not saw, this is if to imagine you took the Christian out of the world, it would be like Solomon Gomaya it would be just like the Noah days with Noah's where you couldn't find hardly anybody, and so it says, We are preserving the earth, you know keeping the earth preserved, and we are light in a dark world. And so we're called to have this responsibility to live that that life before people. So tonight, I just want to jump into, we're just going to deal with one scripture tonight. Well, we're going through first Thessalonians verses 1 through 8, okay? Verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to read it from... Uh, The King James Version first. I want to read that tonight. Uh, Read it from the King James Version. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses one through eight. And it says, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have reckoned unto us how ye ought to walk and to please God. So you would abound more and more for, ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Verse three I said, for this is the will of God, even unto sanctification that ye should abstain from fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence concupiscence concup- 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 even as the Gentiles which Know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is, because that the Lord is the avenger of, of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Say that word again. Okay, He therefore. That despise, despise not man, but God, who have also given unto us his Holy Spirit. So we see that Paul is talking to the church, Thessalonica, and he's explained to them that, hey, how important it is to live a life that's pleasing to God. I'm going to read it from the New Living. It says, finally, dear brother and sister, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you, you live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. For you, remember that we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagan's who do not know God and his ways never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife for the Lord avenges all such sin. As we have soundly warned you before, God has called you to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refused to live by these rules is not obeying human teaching, not disobeying, excuse me, human teaching, but it's rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So let's jump into this. So what is Paul saying? He's talking to them about living, holy, living, pleasing God. So Paul is, he's the Thessalonians of what he had previously taught them concerning Christian conduct when he was with them before. In other words, he taught them that they had already, what they had already heard. It it seemed that many believers want to hear something they've already, they did not, many believers want to hear something they've already heard. People are always looking for something new, okay? There is an insatiable hunger for more and more information. But in the gospels, it's not how much you know, okay? But how well you know what you know so paul he says you've heard this before and a lot of christians we've heard this about not fornicating not committing adultery um you've heard this This is not nothing new but okay sometimes like he says sometimes we we want to hear something different but it's nothing new oh we we have this hunger for more and more information or you want a, a deep revelation of something but he, he makes it very plain. OK, we're not to live. He goes on to say that we are to live a life that please God, as he taught. OK, we are live lives that please God. Now, what does that look like? Now, now you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and ask him how to live. But he specific talks here about sexual sin. How you to honor your body. How when you do that, you are you are living holy and you give honor to God. Okay, so it's nothing new. So, but it says in the gospel, this it's not how much you know; it's how well you know if you know. So the thing is, if you're not doing what you know to do, you know, and most of us know. I mean, it's, you know, is fornication is wrong. Sex outside of marriage is is wrong. And he also deals with um adultery sleeping somebody else's wife is wrong these things we know but unfortunately these things are in the body of christ and it and i will say this they're in the body of christ more and more now it has increased but he's saying here what i'm saying here is this is that we know these things but we were called to live a life that is pleasing to god he so he deals with that in the first thing so in verse three he deals with with things and let's read verse three i'm gonna read it from again it says here for this is the will of god even unto sanctification that she should abstain from fortification so we just dealt with he says abstain from fortification people are always want to know what the will of god is in their lives okay usually they're looking for specific directions about their careers um their marriages and other things until they do the general will revealed in all scripture there is no reason to expect specific directions so we want god to reveal his will for our life maybe you want it maybe you pray and say well god what is the will for my life what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do as far as my occupation, my career, my marriage? But, uh, what you want me to do? But if you're not doing, I call this Christianity 101, which means he's talking about fortification. If you're not doing those things, okay, pleasing God in those areas in your life, it says you first have to get that straight before you ask anything specific for God. Because a lot of times we want things from God you want things from god but you're not doing the general will of of the word of god in your life which is abstinence from communication abstaining from fornication pleasing god with your body and this is what he's dealing with this verse gives us god's will for each one of our lives so this is for everybody it's not just specific because there's a specific will for your life, but then there's a general will for your life, which includes every believer needs to be doing this. And this should, um, it said, keep us busy till we die, doing the general will of God. That says, as we become faithful in walking out God's general will in our lives, which is revealed in the scripture, then the Lord will give us specific directions. So first thing is, let's focus on the general will of our lives, which is specifically abstaining from sexual sin. That's part of the general will of your life. Before, Let's get that straight before we start asking for specific directions for the will of God for your life. Cause we dealt with it at that word. Let's deal with that word: with sanctification. Sanctification means separation to God. The separation of the believer from evil things and evil ways. Okay, so means separation. Believer is separated unto God. Okay, you separate from the evil things of this culture, of this society that we live in. We ought to be separate from the, the evil things and their ways. So. Now there's two types of sanctification in the Christian life. The first one is is our born-again spirits. When, I, when our born-again spirits are instantly are instantly sanctified the moment we made Jesus our Lord. So we just talked about that earlier, about we were made holy. First Corinthians. Chapter 1 verses 30. You were made holy. Your spirits were made holy the day you accept Jesus Christ, your person saved. They remain this way regardless of fluctuation, now actions. So now this is awesome here. Your spirit gets your spirit does not fluctuate. Your born-again spirit, the day you got saved. It doesn't fluctuate with action, even in your actions, even though you may miss the mark, and we all do. Okay. Your spirit doesn't fluctuate. It doesn't mean that, okay, one moment you're holy the next minute you're not. Your spirit don't do that. Your spirit remains holy. Okay. This is, this is the thing that God did in our spirits. He made us holy, made us righteous. It does not fluctuate according to your actions. Therefore, the sanctification that has already taken place in our spirit is a constant that forms the basis of our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why God, when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sinfulness because he deal with us based on spirit to spirit. This is why God doesn't reject us, okay? Because your spirit remains constantly in holiness, okay? And that is the basis of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And thank God for that. You know, so our behavior fluctuates, you know, it's, And we grow in becoming better and better in our behavior and our conversation, but our spirits don't do that. So the day you guys say your born-again spirit was made holy and it stays that way. It is 100% holy right now. And it does not fluctuate based on your behavior. But the second is, is, the second is it's not enough just to be separate to God in our spirit. It's not enough. Okay. What has taken place in our spirits must manifest in our actions. Let me say that again. So we just talked about how your spirits have been made holy and made righteous. Okay. God did that. It doesn't fluctuate based on your behavior. Okay. If you miss the mark tomorrow, you do something bad, you don't stop being holy, you know, because your born again spirit means constantly holy, but okay. It's not enough just to know that you're holy, that you've been made holy by the blood of Jesus and you're born again spirit. Okay. It's not enough. What has taken place in your spirit must manifest in your actions. So if you have the root, the day you got born, again, you got the root of holiness. But once you believe that and begin to walk, then you see the fruit of holiness, which is your actions. This is, this is what this outward separation or sanctification is not a constant. And it fluctuates according to what we focus our attention on. Now, you got to get there. Let me pause here for a second. So your behavior fluctuates but that it fluctuates according to what you are focusing on. So the question is, what are you focusing on? Because I'm talking to somebody right now, you're saved. You know, you know, Jesus Christ is your personal savior, but your behavior doesn't line up with what God says. And as we said earlier, okay, you're not being salt. You're not being light. Well, the question I want to ask you tonight, and this is a question you ask yourself, what are you focusing on are you focusing on the the ways of the godless society that we're talking about because we're talking about living for god in a godless society are you focused on the ways of the world are you focused on that? are you trying to fit in with them because when we talked about daniel daniel didn't didn't want to fit in Shadrach, Meshach, me Abednego they did not want to fit in daniel says hey i'm living in an ungodly society but you know what? I'm distinct. I'm the different. I don't want to be identified with them. Even though I'm in this guy. Kind of, I can live in it. Notice that Daniel, they lived in it, but he didn't want to be totally identified with that society. And we shouldn't want to either. So this goes back to your actions. Are your actions in line with the word of God? Because you know we like so once again you may have a bad day but the question is we should be growing and growing in grace as the bible talks about getting better but the question is maybe you're struggling because your your attention is focused on not on jesus but on the ways of the world so what do you got the bible even talk about i think it's in proverbs where it says he says son attend to my word he tells them, attend to my word. Means that focus on my word. That's what he tells what to focus on. Focus on the word of God and what he has your verses on. Focus on the culture that surrounds us that we're living in. And we know we have to live in this world, but we should want, we should desire to be different. Okay. And so we have already been sanctified in our born again spirits. Okay. Once and for all this means that your spirit is complete. It's 100% Holy Ghost. Okay. filled with the Holy Ghost. So we are already been sanctified not born again, once and for all. And we are progressively re- reproducing that sanctification in our ashes day by day. So your, your, your born again spirit is 100% holy and it doesn't fluctuate but we are progressively growing in our actions day by day. Okay. Day by day. This is how we grow. Okay. So Paul also deals with Paul tells them to flee from fornication. We read that. He says flee from fornication. And in this verse, he says, it is God's will that we abstain from fornication. What is fornication? Sex outside of marriage. Sex outside of marriage. We see a lot of believers that are engaging in sex outside of marriage. And we can't, you know, we've we gotta be careful not to just look past that and say, Well, you know what? You know, this is I have a you know, desire, I just give in to the desire. And you, you know, some people say, Well, I just can't help it. Yes, you can, because. you're saved you have the holy spirit in you and part of the fruit of the spirit is self-control so you can control yourself if you allow yourself and you have to want to control yourself he said we are to abstain from that so we can't just say you know well okay you know and we live in a society now where that's Endorse where it says, Hey, have sex outside of marriage. You know, this is, Hey, a a cliche would drive the car before you, I mean, you know, test drive it before you buy it. A little cliche with, you know, have sex and see how it goes. And, you know, see if you and that person want to be together, but the Bible doesn't teach that. Okay. The Bible does not teach, you know, sex before marriage says sex it, It teaches you are to wait until you marry, because sex is only supposed to be for marriage. And if you're doing that, I pray to God that you would allow God to restrain you in that area. Um, rededicate yourself and say, you know what? I don't want to do this tomorrow. I want to please God. But he says we are to abstain from this. The only way we can succeed, abstain from fornication is to flee from it. Don't put yourself in situations where you know that you're going to, you know, give in to it. Cause let's be wrong. God made us sexual beings. Sex is not a bad thing. Okay. But sex outside of marriage is. And we know with sex outside of marriage come a lot of diseases and unwanted pregnancies and all kinds of things, you know, emotionally, you can get damaged when you give yourself to somebody and then they walk away And no longer want nothing to do with you. You know, so emotion, you're damaged. Now, when you do get married, you are not um, emotionally healthy for your spouse. And so the Bible said we need to abstain from these things. This is the same thing that God is trying to protect us from. And so those who flirt with sin will succumb to it. So if you flirt around with it, I love that we're floating around, you know, float around with it, be around people who indulge in that lifestyle. You're going to give in to it. The only sure way to overcome temptation is to avoid it. You have to don't put yourself in situations, okay, that will cause you to do that. okay. so you have to understand, don't put yourself in situations, avoid that. He says flee from it. You know, you know, you should know you. So don't put yourself in situations like that. But all Paul says, he, he says, and, and for, he said, this is for everyone, not just for specific people. Holiness is not just for some in the body of Christ It is God's will for every one of his children. So it's not just for the preachers like me or the deacons or the leadership of the ministry. OK, it is for every believer, no matter what. If you're saved, this is for all of us. It is for you, too. You know, it's not saying that just because you're not in leadership or some type of minister or preacher or bishop or whatever, okay, that, you know, I can do this. No, it's for everybody. So Paul. OK, he's what is we here. Paul's word is, is worthy of noting here. Okay. We are to possess our vessels. He said, possess many of us, Christians acknowledge that a spirit can possess our body. But, but we don't normally speak of possessing our own bodies. That's because most of us think our bodies are, are the real us. But Paul thought about this differently. Okay. So, you got to understand that hey, your spirit is the real you, not your body your body is just a suit. So the spirit part of us which is as Christian is the true self has been made brand new through the new birth. Our bodies are just the earth suit that allow us to function in this physical world. so your body is not the real you your spirit is your body is just the earth suit so our bodies are just the vessel that holds the divine life located in our spirit and it keeps it from running out back to God. So your body is just the earth suit that your spirit lives in. And so understanding this gives us an advantage over unbelievers because unbelievers think that their body is the real them. Our bodies are just a temporary home, okay? We should take care of them, but we should not be devastated at their demise or pending destruction. Okay. Because we have a better homecoming. Okay. We got another body. Okay. But we do have to take care of our bodies. And so one of the ways we take care of body, Paul is talking about here is fleeing from fortification. So what is he saying when you are participating in sex outside of marriage or any other act. Okay. You're not taking care of your body. You're abusing your body because you're giving yourself to other people that God haven't given you license to. This is what you're doing. And he also talks about here and for it says the word he used the word esteem and give me esteem and respect. They are synonyms for the word honor. So. When you wait for marriage, you honor not only God, but yourself, you honor your body. You are in God. When you do that, Paul was saying that, that the way to self esteem and respect in the natural is through doing what's right. We have to have a desire. You and me have a desire to want to do the right thing. And I pray that you want to do the right thing. It's not going to make you popular even with daniel and we're gonna get into more with daniel and how they want popular in this culture in that godless society society but you have have a desire to want to do is right that's radically different from the modern psychology approach to self-esteem it's different so we have a different take on self-esteem versus the world the way people are being taught to respect them, themselves today is to reject all standard of rightness of right and wrong so that they can feel good about themselves regardless of what they do. And that's not the approach that the Bible teaches us. That's not God's will. See, that's the world. The world say, so, you know, they reject all standards of right and wrong. And they want to feel good about what this is. We decide this is the godless society we live in. They want to feel good about what they do, no matter what it is, whether it's sleeping around, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's anything you know that's contrary to the word of God. They want to feel good about it because guess what? You know what? This is what a goddess society teaches. This is the culture you know, we live in nowadays, they want to feel good about what they do. And they, and all they want to do is get people to endorse it. If I can get somebody, if I can get a group to stand behind me and say, this is okay, then I want to feel good about what we're doing. And Paul, didn't Bible don't teach that there is a right and wrong according to the word of God. And we as believer, which once again, we're called to live holy. This is what we do. We, we live by the standard of what God calls right and wrong, not what the culture, not what society says. There are times we should feel bad about our actions, okay? When we rape, when we murder, when we steal or are lazy or so strife or do a multitude of other destructive things, uh, we should feel, should feel rotten. So when you do bad things, yeah, you should. And and that's healthy. Instead of seeking to justify every perversion known to man so that we can have self-esteem, we should confess our sins and receive forgiveness. Then we can feel good about what Christ has done for us and esteem him and his work in our lives. Okay. So Instead of, let me say this to you, instead of trying to justify what you're doing. Okay, confess your sins. Know that God has forgiven you. See, a lot of times, and we're guilty, we all, don't try to justify if you know what the Bible said that is wrong. Don't just try to look it away or don't say, you know, where don't judge me. No, the Bible does say, you know, if you, my brother and sister in Christ, I am to correct you. We are to correct each other. And so, but don't just try to justify it use the word perversion here. And a lot of stuff we're doing as believers is perverse and it goes contrary to what word God. But would you want to feel good about what you're doing? But if the Bible condemns it, then you should feel rotten about it. You should feel bad about it. And that's not, that, and that is healthy. That is healthy. We're not here to condemn you, okay? But we are here to say, you know what? That's wrong. Because the Bible says it's wrong. And we're not to judge people, we're not to send people to hell, but we do tell people, and I'm telling you specifically, if you're in some type of sexual sin, then that's wrong, okay? And don't try to justify or feel good about what you're doing. Confess your sins to God and receive his forgiveness. He loves you. He wants the best for you. And he wants you to just come to him and say, hey, the Bible says come before the throne of praise to receive what you need. If you need help in, the, in areas you're struggling, God said he will give you strength for that. But you've got to come to him. Then you can feel good about what God has done for you, as it says here. And. And esteem him and his working life. He wants to do a work in you. But you have to be willing to just surrender your life to him. And so Paul also talks about here. The lust of concupiscence. As the driving force behind the Gentile, the unbelievers. He said this lust of concupiscence. is this ungodly lifestyle. The, the New International Version uh, translate this as Passionate lust. That's what these this is what the, the society that we live in have. They're just lustful. And sin is conceived in our emotions. That's where it starts, in your emotions. Okay. But sin rules through emotions, while sanctification honor rules through actions. See, that's what sin starts in your emotions. And least, but sanct- while sanctification rules in your actions, and that is not to say we divorce ourselves from emotions okay we rule our emotions instead of letting them rule us so then like i said once again you're going to emotion but as i said we are sexual beings but that shouldn't rule you you should rule your emotions you should be able to control yourself okay when it comes to sexual sins you should be able to control yourself don't deny that you have those feelings but understand you know what god has given me the ability to control myself and i can wait until i'm married and have my spouse and that, and then i can act on those emotions as god intended for us to do and so we're talking about verse five it says paul said that that there's no there should be a difference between the conduct of the christian and the non-christian there should be a difference okay christians should have the nature of god in them while lost people have the nature of the devil that should translate into christian the christian lifestyle being as different from the worldly lifestyle as much as god is different from the devil there should be a difference in the way you're living versus what the world is living, there should be a difference. People should be able to see a difference in your lifestyle. There should be a distinct difference, the way you're living versus the way they are living, the way you talk versus the way they talk. There should be a difference. In verse six, Paul Paul had just said that it was God's will for the believers to live sexually impure lives. Here in the same sentence, he advocates honesty in believers dealing with others. He even placed a judgment on God from God upon those who defraud their brothers, which he didn't mention while speaking about sexual sin. This is not to say that the Lord is more cons- concerned with integrity than sexual impurity. But it is say that he is just as concerned about how believers treat others as he is with more purity. So he also deal with how we treat each other. How do we treat each other as believers? We ought to be treating each other. And the world should be seeing how we treat each other. Because the Bible said we would the world would know we are his by the way we treat one another, how we love one another. And so it goes and said, Those who are truly born again have a covenant with God that ensures them. That He will never hold their sins against them. So God is not holding your sins against you. Okay, man's sins, past, present, future, are placed on Jesus. So what if a Christian if defrauds their brother? Does God judge him for their sins? Okay, so we we just talked about. Okay, God's not holding your sins against you. Okay, past, present, He's not holding. So if you dishonor your brother, does God just, well, it says God is for justice and against dishonesty. He is not against those who act dishonestly, especially if they are his children, but he will take a stand against their actions. Therefore, if believers defraud other brothers, God will correct that wrong and bring justice to light. He is not against the thief but is for the victim. Let me say it again. So, so God is not against people. But if you defraud somebody, you hurt somebody, God is for the victim. And he do want them to be vindicated. And so if you, you've treated somebody wrong, are there are going to be consequences. And here's a good example here. So imagine a father who has a dishonest child. The father loves his child. But if the father has integrity, he will not support his child's dishonest ways. A godly father will not lie so that his children could defraud someone. And a godly father will turn to his children and make amends if he knew his child had stolen from someone. Yet, the godly father would love his child and do anything within the law to help that child. Likewise, God loves and is for all his children. But let wayward children beware. God will not help you con other believers. He will expose you and defend the right, but he will never stop loving you. So I thought this was a good example. Okay. And for you who are parents out there, you wouldn't you would still love your child. But if you knew your child was doing something wrong, you wouldn't defend it. A good parent would. A good parent is not going to defend their child's bad behavior and allow them to to hurt somebody or steal from somebody and not do anything about it. And so our Godfather, the same way, he 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 loves us. But God's not going to stand back and allow you just to con somebody. He will you know, allow the enemy to expose you. Okay. He would never stop loving you, but he will expose you to things that, okay, you know what? That's wrong. So God's not going to defend you wrong, but God did not call us as believers to live in, in in He did not call it to live in morality. He didn't call it. He didn't call us to live in uncleanness, but rather to live several lives for him. Anyone who advocates differently is not representing God. So if you're not standing up for morality, if you're not standing up for the things of God, then you're not representing God, okay? To to, In the last verse Paul talks about, he talks about if you reject this, then you're not rejecting God. I mean, humans, authority you're rejecting god it says to reject the moral appeal appeal paul's message is in reality reject god's message when a minister is truly directed by god then it is god and not the person who's speaking we should not be so gullible that we ex- accept every word that people speak but we should also not be skeptical that we reject God when he speaks through all the people. Okay. You may say, well, that's from him. Well, once again, Paul is saying, "If, if you reject this message, you're not rejecting me, you're rejecting God because God did call us to live holy lives. This is what we are called to. And so he was saying, even with impurity, when you reject the message of living in sexual purity and also not defrauding your brother, if you reject this, you're not rejecting me, you're rejecting God or any other believer tell you, you're not rejecting them, you're rejecting God. And we don't want to do that. If you love him and you care for him, if you have a desire to want to live for God, then you're not going to reject this message or anything that comes from the word of God. You're going to embrace it. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm choosing the kingdom. I am choosing God and his ways. I want to live for God in a godless society. I want to be different. I want to be distinct. I want to live holy, you know, and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to teach me how to do that. And how does he teach you how to do it? He first starts by getting the word and find out what God says about how to live, how to talk, how to do things right. What should I get involved in? What should I not get involved in? And then you have the Holy Spirit. You know, as I said, maybe there are those gray areas where you say, well, I'm not sure. We talked last week about how all things, it's in Corinthians, I think chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says all things are permissible, but all things are not beneficial for us. As Daniel found out, hey, Daniel and Shack, right, Meshach and Abednego, they like, you know, they could have participated in the culture and they, would, and they could have feared of being caught and you know, by the King, but they trusted God. And they said, you know what? We want to be different. And that's what God is calling. And I pray that you will have a desire to want to be different. Okay. Not think that you are better than everybody else. Let me, let me say that. As Christians, we're not better than anybody else, but you know, we're called to a higher standard to live whole life that please God. We are called to a higher standard because we serve a God that's holy. As we said, be holy, for I am holy. And I want to challenge you tonight to be able to begin to surrender to God and allow him to speak to you and for you to surrender to his ways and his way of thinking and to live a life that's pleased him. To be that salt, to be that light that God's called us to be. Let me pray for you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every ear that's hearing this. And I thank you for your word going forth. In the name of Jesus, God, I come against any s- sexual sins that's holding our brothers and sisters back. We take authority to it. And I declare them delivered from any sexual sin that's had them in bondage. Satan, man, we break that hole on them right now. In the name of Jesus and God, I pray that they would begin to seek your word and seek you about how to live a life that's pleased you, how they should live differently in an ungodly society, how you've called them to live holy. God, thank you for giving them the strength and the ability and a desire to please you even in a wicked world. And I praise you right now. I release the anointing of God on your life to be who God called you to be, to live holy, to live, be different. To be sanctified, first of all, by the Holy Spirit, and in our action as we embrace God, what you have placed on the inside, that it flows through our actions and through our behavior and through our talking, and that you may get the glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Once again, we'll be back with you again on next week, and we have part two of living for God in a godless society. Once again, thank you and bye bye.